Hello and welcome to Matt D'Elia is Confused. This is Matt D'Elia and this episode is a day late again. Um, and, uh, you know, life's been a fucking crazy right now and uh, I'm always going to get out at least one episode a week. But uh, increasingly the, the day on which I drop them is sort of... Uh, sliding all over the fucking place and for that i apologize a lot of you guys message me on wednesday and now thursday and you're like where the fuck's my episode and i honestly have no fucking excuse apologize um but uh there will always be one a week and at some point in the near future things will normalize again i promise thank you for bearing with me i love you all Now into some stuff that's going on. First and foremost, actually, what I what what um, I think one of the weirder things about this uh, the the impact of the pandemic and the various kinds of lockdowns and precautions. And industry derailments, uh, I think one of the most impactful of them all, if not the most, just in, in terms of pure symbolism, national on a national level, is uh, the absence of sports. That's been very odd. I think even to people who are not sports fans, it's been a little weird. I am a sports fan. I'm particularly a baseball fan. Baseball, as anyone who knows about, has been paying attention to it at all, knows already, but a lot of you probably don't, because you got bigger fish to fry, like, how the fuck are you going to be making money to feed miles and pay rent next month? But baseball fans, or even halfway baseball fans, must be somewhat aware of the fact that baseball season started on Thursday, yesterday. Today is the first full day of games. And once I got around to yesterday and I was going to actually record this episode yesterday, I realized I knew I was going to talk about baseball. And I had heard all the stories about how fucking weird it was going to be. Because obviously you can't pack a stadium anymore in the fucking time of COVID. We can't be doing that shit. There's all these crazy, complicated testing systems that players have to go through. It's very rigorous. If you test positive, you need two negative tests after a two-week quarantine period. One of the best players in baseball who was going to play in the very first game yesterday, Juan Soto for the Washington Nationals, he's the shit, tested positive right before the game, couldn't come play. He's got to wait two weeks, then he's got to get two negative tests under his belt before he can back and come back and play. It's fucking crazy. And that side alone is crazy enough. Just the uncertainty of who's playing what day and who might come down with it, who they might have given it to, contact tracing, all that shit. It's fucking crazy. But baseball's back for a truncated 60-game season. I mean, we missed four, four months of the season, some shit like that. 
Um, but the weirder things I haven't mentioned yet. The weirder things are about the actual gameplay. And I won't get too into the weeds because if you don't give a fuck about baseball, you won't give a fuck about that. But I think there's stuff that universally is rather interesting about how they've brought the game back. One, as I kind of hinted at before, there is literally not a single person in the stands for any game. There will not be a single game with a single fan in the stands. Or at least uh, a ticket holder. There will be no tickets sold. I'm sure there will be some fuck sitting in the stands somewhere, like some broadcast team member, you know, doing a report and the camera fucking is way out and it zooms in and shit. I mean, I actually saw that. So there are people sitting there, but they're not fans and they're not ticket holders. There's nobody at the games. To make televised games seem more normal, this is where it starts to get weird. Okay. And this is actually, I really thought this was a a really dumb sounding idea. And I've seen it a bit of it now, and I have a fuller opinion of it, having actually experienced it. Uh, that I'll get into a little bit after I explain it. But basically what, what the deal is now is that not only are, because there are no fans, there is no crowd noise. And I think that the, the thinking, their thinking was crowd noise is a great simulator for what we all understand a sporting event is, which is it's not just the people playing the game. It's not just you watching it on TV. A big part of the excitement and the engagement and the sense of normalcy is the crowd and not just sitting there, but making noise. So what major league baseball has decided to do is pump in through their massive sound systems, fake crowd sounds for, for all kinds of things, base hits, strikeouts, home runs, and they're all different kinds of reactions. So there's some fuck sitting at a soundboard waiting for a home run and he hits the home run button and it's just, And then there's a fucking bass hit. It's like a few claps, you know, it's just like, yeah. A strikeout, it's like a little spurt of excitement. Yeah. And when I read about this, I was like, this is the fucking dumbest thing. Like that only is going to make everybody think about how weird it is even more. It's going to be weird on top of weird. It's going to be like through the looking glass weird, you know? That was my thought. But like I said, I was going to record yesterday, but I wanted to see some of this shit. So I had a more informed opinion about it. And I've watched a couple games. I watched the Nationals-Yankees game yesterday. Uh, Earlier, I was watching uh, the Mets-Braves game. I'm a Mets fan. As sad as that is, it's true. I fucking love the Mets. Slight detour here. I love the Mets so much. I mean, now I'm more of a fucking adult, so I'm more of an adult about it. But when I was young, because when, when I was young, games weren't easy to watch of the team you liked unless you lived in the city in which they played. So when I moved from New Jersey, where the Mets games were televised every day, to California, I was eight or nine or 10, I don't remember, but I was a highly engaged Mets fan, and I wanted to watch as many games as I could. 
every once in a while, even via old cable, and especially when they played the Dodgers, or maybe, well, no, I guess they didn't even play the Angels back then. But when they would play the Dodgers for sure, they would televise the games and I could watch the Mets game and it would be exciting. Oh, the Braves too, because the Braves were broadcast on TBS and they played the Braves a lot. Anyway, so I would be able to watch like, you know, 10 to 20 games a year and every maybe once a year they'd be on ESPN. So like 20 times a year, I could see them on TV. If they would lose, if the Mets would lose, I would cry. I would cry. Like a fucking idiot baby, I would cry. And this is the even more idiot baby part. God, it's so weird how kids think kids are such fucking idiots. But I thought, I just thought I would cry and I was so forlorn because I just knew, I knew if they knew how much I wanted them to win, me personally, me, Matt D'Elia, personally, how much I wanted them to win, if they knew that, they would try harder and succeed and win. So it was almost like the reason I was crying is that like I didn't have a way to contact the Mets individually and tell them how much I, nine-year-old kid they don't know, wants them to win, that would change everything. And then, then there after that, they would win every game. This was my thinking. Anyway, obviously I stopped crying at the, at the result. And as a Mets fan, anyone out there who knows anything about baseball, certainly about the Mets, you know that you can't cry every time something bad happens with the Mets. Cause if you did, you'd cry more than anyone in the fucking universe. But anyway, yeah, I was watching the Mets Braves game earlier today. Still going on right now. As I record this, kind of wish I was watching that, but you know what? This is better. I'd rather be doing this. And they were doing the fucking crowd noises. And I, I got to fucking be real here. I'm, I'm going to be honest because I don't like to lie. I like to, at the very least, be honest with myself. And the truth is, I was fucking Way wrong about this shit. And I'm ready to admit that. I was shit talking on it to anybody who would listen to me. That's the dumbest thing I ever heard. Fucking start watching this shit. Somebody fucking strikes somebody out and it's just, yeah. And I, my brain didn't for a moment even. Didn't skip a beat. I was just like, yeah, pe- that's people are excited because of the strikeout. And even as I started to pay attention to that, about how it's fake, even though that I knew that and I would even be reminding myself of it, every time it would happen, it would not feel artificial. It felt right. So as dumb as that idea sounded, it was the right idea. Here's a weird thing, though, even weirder than that. They fucking have, (laughs) they have, there's obviously, as I said, there's nobody in the stands. There's no crowds at all. 
but they're offering for, I believe, $300. At least at Dodger Stadium, it's $300. I don't know what it is everywhere. I don't know if there's like a uniform price. I'm sure it's different wherever you are <clears throat> or whatever stadium you pay for to, for this to be done. But they're in the seats behind home plate where most of the camera is pointing throughout the course of the game from behind the pitcher at the batter. There's like a view of like, you know, a couple hundred seats in that front, front, front part down on the field level. You can pay for a fucking cutout, a life-size cutout of you to be sitting there on TV. When I first heard that, I... I was like, that is the fucking shit. That's the best idea MLB has had in years. Then I watched the games. It looks so fucking stupid. I can't even fucking express it. That is through the looking glass weird. That is fucking off-putting. I'd rather see empty seats than some fucking cutout of Chipper Jones and his son who are, quote, at the Mets game right now. Smiling. Not moving. Not ever going to the bathroom or standing up or cheering because they're fucking cutouts. But they're there. And that's the kind of thing, if you're not paying attention to it and you're focusing on the game, you don't even notice because obviously they look like real people. But anytime your eyes wander and you see these fucking frozen, smiling faces, you feel like you've arrived at a dystopia that you never wanted any part of. So I was wrong about the noise. I ended up liking the noise. And I was wrong about the cutouts. I ended up hating the cutouts. So I didn't know shit. And it just goes to show, I don't know fucking anything about anything right now. I want to keep talking about baseball, but just real quick, in general, I have no idea what's happening in the world right now. It's increasingly hard to parse all the different information that's coming at me all the time, and all of you all the time, if you're paying any attention at all. Everything about the virus, everything about masks, everything about fucking politics, everything about world affairs. The moment you hear one side, the, the very next moment you hear the other side just crashing down and undercutting the last thing you just heard. It, the result is a difficulty in maintaining and keeping an open mind. And I think maintaining and keeping, keeping an open mind is the bedrock of a successful civilization. And I think open-mindedness is certainly on the downswing at the moment. Because certainty is a thing we all seek and want. And in the face of so much confusion, we will seek certainty. Just look at fucking QAnon shit, for example. They're so certain. And that certainty is a response to their bad feelings about the uncertainty of the world. Their confusion leads them to a false sense of certainty. 
And they're more than happy to embrace that false sense of certainty. Especially when they see thousands and thousands of other people doing it. I'm going to talk more about QAnon later. But it's true. From fucking baseball to world affairs, I don't know what the fuck I think about anything. I don't know anything about anything. I fucking don't know fucking shit about shit. But I yet I still, heroically I might say, refuse to sacrifice my open-mindedness and my confusion and my curiosity about the actual truth to just pick a side. And I highly hope you all do the same. Just because it's easier to, quote, know, to be certain, doesn't mean it's better. It isn't. Don't fall into that fucking trap. It's so easy to fall into that trap when you're on Twitter. Everybody's so fucking sure. Everybody with their fucking smug hot takes and their fucking takedowns and their fucking... Everyone on every possible side of every possible issue. Such a smug fuck. And they're so sure. I say it right now. Fuck all of those people. Matt D'Elia is confused forever. Stay confused. It's healthier. Don't buy into that fucking bullshit. Those people aren't certain either. They just want to be. So they're yelling it louder. Back to baseball for a second. The opening, the first game was Nationals-Yankees and the person who threw out the first pitch, which is often like a significant national figure, especially when the game's in Washington, as it was. Often it's the president. Obviously, it's not going to be the president now because, hey, everybody hates the president. Be a terrible way to kick off the season to have him throw out the first pitch. So they asked Dr. Anthony Fauci to do it. Shouldn't be controversial, but obviously was. Because again, everybody's got to be so goddamn certain. Obviously, most people think he's a hero. Most people love him, especially because, you know, of the way they've people have perceived Trump to be treating him or the White House in general, Republicans in general. Guy's obviously doing his fucking best. And I fully believe he has our best interests at heart. Is he wrong sometimes? I don't know. Is he right most of the time? I don't even know. He's right more than me. I do know that. Here's one way he's not more right than me, though. The way he throws a baseball. You guys remember fucking when 50 Cent had the first pitch at at, uh, Citi Field before the Mets game that that one year? It's like one of the more uh, shared gifts of all history. Hard-ass motherfucker, 50 Cent. Gets up there in his Mets jersey, winds up, throws like a little kid. An uncoordinated little kid. Just all joints and points sticking out and then suddenly the ball flies out and it literally goes toward a different thing. Like as anyone who knows anything about baseball knows, you th- the pitcher throws the ball to the catcher. And when someone throws out a ceremonial first pitch, they stand like halfway between the pitcher's mound and home plate because pitching is hard. I used to be a pitcher. It's fucking hard to throw 
from 60 feet up on a mound accurately at a person behind this tiny home plate. And it's ceremonial anyway. It doesn't fucking matter. They just put you halfway and it's like a photo op. And everybody claps. 50 Cent, in trying to throw it at the catcher, basically threw it in the home dugout. And it was fucking glorious. And everyone loved it, myself included. He thought it was funny too, which was fucking sick. Um, if you fucking do dumb shit, you gotta think it's funny. Otherwise, you honestly suck. Uh, but yeah, Fauci did a similar thing. Who knew Dr. Anthony Fauci and 50 Cent had so much in common? But clearly they do. The ball came out of his hand and, and it looked like he was trying to do anything to, to do the opposite of throw it to the catcher. But anyway, it was his moment and whatever. He's old. Fuck it, you know. He's a doctor. Fuck it. What do you expect? It's ceremonial. It doesn't matter. But of course, because everything's so fucking politicized and annoying, he sat there with a couple buddies in the stands for the duration of the game, or at least some of it. And while he was up there, he slid down his mask for, I actually actually do not know for how long. He says it was to sip water. What he says, I don't even care. I see it and I just think, I don't know, he was absent-minded for a minute. Who the, fu- who the fuck in the world right now is used to wearing a mask, so used to it that they never slip it off for any reason and then forget to slide it back on immediately when it's time? But unsurprisingly, right-wing media and certainly right Twitter is all over his ass. Just fucking hammering him. Oh, yeah, I guess masks are really fucking important. Look at him. Look at this picture. And he's like smiling and his mask is a little lower. I guess gotcha to him? I don't even fucking know. Who gives a shit, though? It's like the Goya thing. Who gives a fucking fuck? Just a total non-controversy that's spun into this controversy that he has to actually respond to. He actually had to come out and comment on it. Just so stupid, everything. Always, all the time, no matter what. And then, even more stupid, is a lot of players, obviously, took a knee during the national anthem. Was obviously going to happen. And MLB is even leaning into it. Major League Baseball is even leaning into it. There's like a, a BLM thing carved into the mound. They're being very openly supportive of BLM and social justice, etc. And a lot of the players not because of that, but because they wanted to, take, are taking knees during the national anthem in solidarity with the movement. And wouldn't you fucking know that there's a thousand headlines about that today? From fucking Trump on down to his little shitty army. Please, sir, might I have another retweet? Please, sir. 
Alyssa, hang on your every word. Might I have another retweet, please? Please, sir, may I have another? They're all fucking in there, too. Talking shit about baseball. Oh, it's a disgrace. I'm going to give up watching the game. How about having a brain that allows for a little bit more elbow room? That you're not so absolute that a player wanting to take a knee to show solidarity for Black Lives Matter doesn't make you never watch baseball again, you fucking babies. Even if you disagree with the fucking movement, what do you care? Do you like baseball? Then watch it. Like, what? how does that get in the way of your enjoyment? How much of a fucking asshole are you? Here's how much of an asshole you are. Rudy Giuliani had a big whole thing about it. He saw the Yankees taking a knee, and he's a, he's a, he's a, um, a notorious Yankees fan. For years and years, I remember when I lived in New York, he was always, always behind home plate. I'm sure on opening day at, New York, at uh, Yankee Stadium, there's going to be a cutout of him. Although now, he's shitting all over the Yankees and shitting all over baseball, so maybe not. Maybe in solidarity with Trump and all the, please, sir, motherfuckers who have such a problem and their whole line, their whole fucking line of, of, of thinking and attack on the players who do this is so fucking annoying. For, uh, you know, the country that allowed you to make millions of dollars for playing this game and you disrespect that country by taking a knee during the national anthem. What? Shut the fuck up, Rudy. That is a non-thing. You're making that into a thing. Specifically to divide. Let them fucking kneel if they want to kneel. If you don't like it, I don't give a shit. Shut up about it. If you like baseball, like I do, Watch baseball like I do. Like everyone who likes baseball should do. It's still baseball. Just because for the fucking 80-minute song before the game, instead of standing with their hat over their fucking heart or whatever, they kneel with their hat over their heart for an obviously symbolic move of support for something that deeply matters to them? Shut the fuck up. Who... Who fucking cares? But no, you even got to politicize that. And now your dumbass who loves baseball can't watch baseball. You idiot. I mean, even Rudy now is one of those, please, sir. Please, sir. Might I be your lawyer? I promise I'll be good. I promise I'll stir up bullshit about your opponent. Please, sir. Everybody. Everybody's doing the please, sir. That's so fucking whack. There's a last thing about sports that I'm going to say right now, and then I'm going to take a break and come back, and I won't talk about sports anymore. But as many of you probably know, 
there's been a lot. Uh, I mean, for you, this is this is an ongoing. This is not new. This is an ongoing thing. This has been going on for decades, where uh, a lot of professional sports teams, American professional sports teams, have been under fire for having team names that are considered disrespectful or uh, racist or insensitive or however you want to put it, uh, such as the Atlanta Braves, the Cleveland Indians, the Washington Redskins. There are more, but those are names that uh, sort of flippantly co-opt a very oppressed people, in this case, Native Americans, and use their the nicknames that we we as in I suppose Americans or not uh, 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 the the imperialists I suppose that came in in here and fucked them all up wiped them the fuck out which we did it seems rather insensitive to come in wipe everybody the fuck out and be like those guys. They were pretty tough. I kind of liked them. We called them Redskins. Let's name our team the Washington Redskins. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In the, yeah, that's insensitive, you know? <laughs> it's not much of a... It's like a fucking the most straightforward argument. There's been a... But there's then there's a lot of traditionalists that are like, it's just the name of the team. Why do we have to change it? It's already da 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 You know, Braves fans or just even some sports fans are like, I don't want to do that. Cleveland Indians. Meanwhile... All of these names are the same, and they have been forever. They haven't ever changed. Now, that the, that bow is breaking. And it's obviously about time. It's obviously a thing that needed to happen. And I'm surprised it even took this long. But it did. And here's my gripe, though. The first team to officially change their name, which is bold. First one through the door. Congrats, you did it. Washington Redskins have changed their name. This is where my problem starts. Everything I've already said, that's good. They have changed their name. Good. Now, I'm going to move past that thought, and then the rest is bad. They changed their name to the Washington football team. Um, how? I mean, that's almost like a trolling of, of, it almost seems like they were like, well, we're going to troll all these people for making us change our name. We don't want to change our name. We're going to fucking troll them by giving them us the most boring, dumbass team name of all time. It's just football team. Do you realize how fucking stupid that is? And they're like, it's just temporary until we find a new name that we like. Hey, find a new name that you like quicker. You weren't thinking about this for the last fucking 30 years? Never once crossed your mind? Oh, you know what? If we weren't the Redskins, what could we be? That, 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 that never entered your mind. How? And even if you only had a fucking week or two. Because there were rumblings that they were going to change their name and it was like a whole thing. Everybody knew they were going to. Then they unveil their new logo and their new temporary team name and it's Washington football team. Okay. 
hey, hire someone to come up with a name if you can't do it. How was football team settled on? Just got the most boring people in the room. And they were like, what about fucking... I don't know. Everything I'm thinking of are already team names, you know. But like, what about... What about... Sharks, you know. Sharks are fucking cool. Everybody likes sharks. And like, nah, I don't know about sharks. What about thunder? Thunder's cool. It's powerful. Everybody fucking responds viscerally to thunder. What about thunder? Nah, I don't know. I'm fucking the most boring person in the history of the universe is in the room too. And he says, I got it. What a what if we name our football team football team? Everyone in the room stands, closes their fucking notebook, computer, slides it into their bag, gets before the before gets ready to go, but before they go, they all big round of applause, and they're all fucking stoked. We did it. We cracked this code. We are now the Washington football team. K. How safe and bitch-ass can you be? Change it, great. Don't change it to that. Anyway, uh, that's my shit about sports. I'm going to take a break now uh, and talk about other shit on the other side, and it's going to be fun. Okay, don't go anywhere. Matt D'Elia is confused. We'll return right after the break. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I'm back. I'm back and hey government. Give me my money. Give us all my money. Give me my money. Where's our fucking money at? We all got like $1,200 in fucking, feels like seven years ago, but it was just, you know, I think May. Or no, maybe April. I don't know. I don't fucking know. All I know is everyone needs more money because we're just about to have a whole other national crisis on our hands. 
evictions. Millions and millions, or as Donald Trump would say, millions and millions. Millions and millions of Americans. Fear or know they will not be able to pay rent next month. And many, many, many millions of Americans did not pay or were not able to pay rent for this month. Uh, Just this morning, I was reading an article on USA Today. The headline was 24 million Americans fear missing next rent payment as benefits dry up. And the length of the article was, was uh, the way it kind of broke it down was that, uh, and this is one of the subheadline, which is black and Hispanic households in greater danger as evictions loom. And as the numbers do bear out, uh, black and Hispanic households are both, both had a harder time paying rent in July and are much more concerned and many more of those families and households are will be unable to pay in August. That's now. That's a few days from now. And I mean, look, I'm not a fucking politician. I'm not in government. But I think there's a force majeure element here that transcends politics or ideology ideology as in if you're a republican government is small and your desire is to not just give out money that's why typically republicans fight against things like ubi which was andrew yang's whole platform basically or all of his platform was the foundation of it was ubi it's why he was running And that was before all this shit. Now, he seems like a fucking prophet because now a lot of people who lost their jobs, as he will put it, as he will tell you, so many of those jobs, they're just not coming back at all. They were on their way out anyway, and now they're not coming back at all, either because they were on their way out anyway or because the new world and the way that businesses and industry and people, society in general, has shifted gears has put us on a new path that will eliminate those jobs, at least the way that they were before. It's all tied up in that fucking ridiculously named Find Something New campaign that Ivanka is heading up. There are people out there who don't have a job now because of the quarantine or pandemic, and in the future, their job either might not or just will not even exist. So, again, I'm not in government. I'm not a politician. I, I'm, I'm not a policy fucking wonk. But I am someone who knows enough things to know that what needs to happen is that the government needs to, right now, give me my money. And that is the, uh, the universal me in that. Give me my money. The me in the gimme is all of us. 
I don't know how it would work. I don't know if it would actually go the same amount to every household. Obviously, rich people don't need it. But way more people need it than don't. I'm going to pull up that article and there's a statistic in there that blew my fucking mind. Percentage of people who have experienced loss of employment income through the pandemic. And they break it down by uh, ethnic groups. Asians, uh, 52.2%. Black, 56.5%. Hispanic, 62%. And then uh, two or more races, I guess, mixed race, 59.3%. And white, 44.6%. So just ballparking that, half of the people in the fucking country have lost their employment income. And then on the other side of that, there are people who are still making money, but making way less money. Because business has slowed or business has really took a massive hit. People don't want to spend money because they're not making money. And that obviously has a massive effect across the fucking board. So that insane the insane statistics i just read is probably misleading in the sense of that's not even the whole picture that's just people who have lost their employment income full stop over 60 percent of the hispanic community over 60 percent give me my money what the fuck is... You guys are fucking taking forever. Why do you guys got to wait till the last minute? The fucking unemployment thing that they had, the $600 a week or whatever, lapsed. And like now they're scrambling to figure out what they're going to do. Figure that out before now. Because even when you do get a new plan, all the bureaucracy bullshit is going to make it take way too long. And we're not going to be fucking, give me my money. For long, a long fucking period of time, what do we need to be, give me my money. It's fucking mind-boggling. Again, policy aside, government expertise aside, people need money or they need their rent canceled. Or the government needs to pay the rent for these people so they can keep a fucking roof over their head. This is a true massive fucking crisis on top of the existing massive crisis. And this is not like blindsiding us. Everybody knew this was coming. In fact, this was a big argument. One of the one of the good arguments against any kind of lockdown that this was bound to happen. So this isn't a surprise. I'm of the mind that a lockdown was necessary and a new one is necessary. But the good version of the argument against locking down was basically this. You're going to have essentially an eviction crisis, but what that means is a homeless crisis. Which we already fucking have in many, many, many cities. In my city, Los Angeles. There is already a homeless crisis. This would be a, a, a different kind of homeless crisis on top of the existing one. On top of the existing pandemic crisis. So many fucking crises I know the government 
I, I, I understand why the government has an aversion to just sending out money. I would even say, I don't think that that's a good long-term idea to do that. I do believe in UBI. I think that is one of the better ideas out there right now. That is getting some attention, but not nearly enough. Andrew Yang should have been an actual contender. I loved a lot of what he was about. But whatever, we don't need to get into why he didn't get enough attention or, or why he didn't really have a shot. But UBI is a good idea. Right now, I don't think UBI is something that is realistic. It's too massive of an undertaking. Right now, it's just gimme me mini. I don't give a fuck if it's a bad idea. It, or even I'll grant you that it's a bad idea. That is a bad long-term idea to just send out trillions of dollars to all Americans. I'm not even a fucking Republican, and I will grant you that that is a bad idea, just in general. But right now, it is the only fucking thing. It has to be done. So therefore, it is a good idea. Things change. Circumstances make us have to react differently and have to change our minds about things. You can't just be like, well, I believe in small government and the government doesn't give handouts. Well, what about when no one can pay their fucking rent? You still don't give a fuck? Who elected you? All of those people who are going to be fucking homeless. Give us money. There's no other solution. It's all fucked up. It's going too fast. It's coming down way too hard. Way too fast. Period. The end. End of fucking. End of sent. Here's what it is. End of sentence. End of statement. End of paragraph. End of fucking story. That is the full story. That's it. That's all there fucking is. Do it. Also. Hey, Donald Trump, if you want to win, guess what's going to make you win? Give me me money. Everyone will fucking like you more. What's the deal? Also, figure this out way before right now. Why do these motherfuckers always go down to the wire on this shit? It is so, so nerve-wracking and irresponsible. Figure the things out before you have to scramble to figure them out. I mean, August is a few days away. People are going to be getting evicted real soon. <sighs> it ain't good. Give me me The end. End of story. Give me me The end. The end of the story. Thank you. Um... Something else I wanted to talk about. Twitter is becoming more uh, involved. They're taking, they've, they've long had, uh, and I've talked a little bit about this before in regards to Trump and how they've been labeling Trump's tweets uh, potentially misleading or whatever the fuck. But 
So from before that, they had a very hands-off approach. And from that point on, they've been taking a more hands-on approach to deal with the vast criticism that has been slung at them, rightfully. I mean, Twitter is a fucking abomination. The litany of problems with Twitter and its effects on society are... It's like the joke in like the fucking old uh, uh, medieval times movies where you just like... You fucking roll out the scroll. You undo the scroll and it just... Goes for like 80 feet. That's the list of things that are wrong with Twitter. And the bad effects it has on society. It's just fucking endless. If I was going to tackle that exclusively, I could do like 80 episodes just in a row. But the thing that they're now, uh, and the reason I'm bringing this up, the thing that they're now taking on is QAnon, which I talk about a lot. I talk about the problems of QAnon quite a bit. I am fascinated by it. I feel like I have sympathy for those who believe in it. I strongly disagree with all of it. I wipe my ass with all of the things that it says. It's bullshit. But I don't think like the people who believe in it are evil. I think they're misled. And again, I think that they prefer certainty over uncertainty and that desire, that pull toward wanting certainty is stronger than anything else. So their brain does a whole lot of fucking work, pushes out, blocks out things that don't sort of align with the thing that they want, which is certainty. And QAnon, those motherfuckers are being provided with an unbelievable amount of certainty. I'm envious of how certain these people are. But anyway, they uh, now Twitter is is combating them. They're limiting the amount of accounts these people can have because I think a lot of them have several accounts. I th- they're doing other things too. They're like, I don't know, but they're they made, made some major announcement about it. Uh, about how they're taking it seriously. This is a problem and misinformation. It's like all part of their misinformation. Uh, con- clamping down on conspiracy theories platform, which they're now advancing. And from what I understand, they're actually implementing that. Now, they're not just going to fucking totally censor and delete everything that's ever advocated for QAnon shit from Twitter. They're not going to just scrub it clean as if it was never there. From what I can gather, they're just going to make it harder to come across it. Harder for people who push these conspiracy theories to harass people. Because that, that, I think, is really why they stepped in. The harassment from the QAnon community toward those who they believe are the perpetrators of this, such as, I mean, the list goes on, Bill Gates, Anderson Cooper, Chrissy Teigen, Tom Hanks, and so on. Hillary Clinton, Barack Obama, George Soros, and many, many other people. 
<clears throat> so it's the harassment that they're trying to curb. And I get that. That is a problem. That is one of the 80 gajillion problems that they have. But my problem with making some big show of it and then enacting some kind of, uh, you know, plan to derail or curb QAnon from doing what it does, to censor them, in other words, certainly how they feel. If you, I mean, I haven't looked, but I'm positive they're up in arms and saying this is proof of everything they've ever said. Deep State runs Twitter and they don't want us to get our message out there. And that feeds right into their narrative. So for this reason, I think that that, while I get why Twitter would want to do that, many of their high profile users are being harassed by one specific community and being smeared with things that are absolute batshit crazy lies. So they want to do something about it. I get that. It just seems like something that's going to blow up in their face. But that puts them in a bind because even if that's true, what are you going to do? Just let this harassment go on? That shit sucks. Being on the other end of that shit must suck. If you're fucking Chrissy Teigen, who I don't like at all, don't care about at all, until I hear about this shit, just like flooded with messages and fucking comments about how she fucking like is a part of a pedophile ring, you know? And she just like, she's helpless to it. She can't block all the accounts, which I think is part of it. I think Twitter's trying to curb the amount of accounts these people can have. Because it's just trolling, you know? And so I totally get why you would want to curb that and why you would want to combat that to protect your high-profile users or just your users, period. It doesn't have to be high-profile. Whoever you are, that sucks. I was just listening to Anderson Cooper talk about this, actually. He was asking Bill Gates about how he feels about the conspiracy theories about him, which I was excited to hear his answer. And Gates gave this kind of like, I mean, he's Bill Gates. He's not like a fucking talented orator or anything. But he was like, yeah, you combine the pandemic with social media and everybody is kind of losing their minds and wants to paint a picture of a bad guy, an easy scapegoat. Which again, everybody wants certainty. He's basically saying what I'm saying, which is that everybody would rather be certain and the salacious, clickable thing that, cer- that provides certainty is Bill Gates is a villain. Uh, he is trying to infect all of us with this thing and give us the virus. So we have to take his vaccine, which is going to control our minds. That's going to get clicked on a lot more then Bill Gates isn't (laughs) the villain. And it also doesn't provide certainty to look at the truth and think Bill Gates is actually trying to help more than anyone in the fucking world. That doesn't provide certainty because everything is still confusing. What provides certainty is being like, oh yeah, 
Oh, yeah, I know what this guy's up to. He and Fauci are in cahoots, trying to get us all sick, so we need a fucking vaccine. And in that vaccine is a microchip that lets them know where we are at all times and can surveil us at all times, and it can control us at all times. That's certainty. Anything that purports to provide you with that much certainty is absolutely bullshit. I can just say that out of hand. Nothing in the world is that certain. Nothing in the world is that black and white. So if you're teetering and thinking about some of this shit, ask yourself one thing. Is that, does that provide too much certainty? If it does, then it's almost almost absolutely 100% bullshit. The world is fucking messy. And right now, it's the messiest I've ever fucking seen it. Talk to older people too, way older than me, they say the same thing. Nobody remembers a time like this in the history of our country. Because there hasn't been one in anyone, any living person's lifetime. So the amount of crazy out there that is desperately seeking certainty makes sense in that regard. But I don't think I, 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 I or I, I guess I'm not even certain about this. Surprise, surprise. But my sense, my, my inclination is to think that this is going to embolden QAnon. Because it's not like they're gonna get they're gonna get curbed and censored and be like, oh no, I can't do this anymore. Damn it! I guess I'll move on to something else. I always liked badminton. Maybe I'll try that out. That's not that's not gonna be the the, the takeaway. The takeaway is gonna be I knew it. This confirms what I always knew. I'm gonna rail even harder and I'm gonna dig in even further. And now I'm even more certain. Now, that, that is a deterrent, but is it enough of a deterrent for Twitter to not, to take no action? It's kind of like a lesser of two evils situation for Twitter. And I hate, again, I say this all the time, but I hate being put in a situation where I have to kind of defend or empathize with an entity or person or group that I otherwise fucking hate. And I hate Twitter. But they're in a real fucking bind about this. They want this crazy horse shit and certainly the harassment not to be happening on their platform. Totally understandable. I would want the same thing. Is the best way to do that to make some grandstanding statement about how they're going to start to curb and weed out and make it harder for them? To do what they've been doing. I strongly think that that's going to blow up in their face. I think it's, I think, or not necessarily their face, but in the world's face, it's going to embolden QAnon and spread it further. It's like when you outlaw Christianity early on in the early days of Christianity, people are going to be like, oh, what's that all about? Hmm. 
Maybe there's something to that. Because I hate the people who outlawed that. And if I hate the people who outlawed it, maybe the people that they're outlawing are on to something. Because censorship is a thing that people really, really, it's a really, provides a really visceral reaction. Nobody wants to be censored. Understandably. And in this case, their whole thing is that there's a, there's a powerful cabal hiding in the shadows, controlling the world. And that that is their ultimate adversary. Can't you easily imagine being someone who believes in this shit? If, or not, can't you easily imagine that? I hope you cannot easily imagine that. But I bet you can easily imagine if you already thought that, your reaction to this Twitter thing being, ah, I knew it. Proof that I was, proof that I'm onto something. Now my heels are dug in and now I'm a fucking believer for life. I just think, I worry that that was the wrong move. But like I said in the last episode, I think this shit's here to stay anyway. And maybe that was their fucking part of their thinking too. Like, what are we going to, it's not like we have a chance of quashing it anyway. Let's just run our thing the way we want to run it. And that's just going to keep growing anyway. What are we going to fucking do about it? Could have been that. And I can't argue with that either. It's a fucked situation. It's a fucked world. It is a confusing world. Increasingly so. And that's why the show exists. Okay, that's probably the best place to possibly end on. Um, If you haven't yet, get your merch at mattdelia.com slash store. Put it on your body. Take a picture and send it to me. Nothing makes me more happy than when you guys do that. Um, Stay safe out there. And when you're not earning money to pay this and next month's rent and to feed your family, stay on. Do your best to stay healthy yourself so that other people can stay healthy as well. And we can get past this fucking thing and get back to normal as soon as fucking possible. Normal never seemed so good as it does now. So let's all do our fucking part, okay? Spy on when you can. Uh, I love you all. Thank you all so much. I will talk to you next week. And one more time.